It is 11.30 here on a Wednesday. Time for us to begin our midday program on KRVN. And Scott Foster here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield. As uh, we take a look at some of the uh, news articles that are affecting us today and uh, some of the things we'll be looking at over the next couple hours here on the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's begin it with Susan Littlefield. Happening on the midday from the farm team. We're going to kick it all off here at 1219 as Alex will be talking the Forever Blue Network. Then at 1245, we'll continue our conversation with Farm Service Agency Administrator Richard Fordyce as we look at part two of CFAP. And, of course, that is open officially yesterday. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 as we talk winter wheat concerns as we move from Texas into Nebraska. That's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you, Susan. Now, Jason, I know we've got to talk about sports, but there was a couple things. You love uh, old country music like I do. There was a yesterday was Hank William Jr.'s birthday, seventy first, I believe, seventy first, and uh, today would have been Don Williams' birthday, the Gentle Giant. Oh man, Denim. I, I love. He was so good, and and I think Gene Curtis was the one who brought it up yesterday that that uh, Bo Cephas and Rick Springfield are the same age. Go figure. <laughs> All the stories those two could tell. Oh boy, anyway. can't believe there's never been a. You know, a duo, Rick Springfield and, you know, Bo Cephas. <laughs> they I still just, got time. They got time. <laughs> let's let's get that together, guys. Come on. Uh, anyway, what do you got today? Hey, we're going to hear from Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. Bill was a guest last night on Sports Nightly, and he was asked, you know, how, how are things shaping up? What, what's he looking at? He says some decisions still need to be made, but things are trending in the the right direction so we'll get to bill moose's thoughts about that also kind of a cool deal tonight the nascar race a local nascar fan she will have her face on kevin harvick's car as she won she won a contest on twitter (laughs) yeah so we'll be looking for kevin harvick's number four tonight and uh i'll be there yeah check that out she also won a gift card and also she won tickets to a race next week Hmm. But we'll tell you about Nicole Clements from the Holdridge area. And then uh, we hope to get a hold of her tomorrow and say, hey, what's it like to have your face on a NASCAR <laughs> on national TV? I hope I, I hope talked to her rap. a little bit today. She said she's blown away. I bet. Yeah. That's that's very <laughs> awesome. I tell you what, NASCAR taking the lead, getting out there, I think has really been good for them. It yeah. has, and uh, they've kind of had it all themselves. Also, no bickering. Yeah. I like Major League Baseball. Yeah. And then that, that street fight is still going on. We'll see. All right. Thanks, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan now. And uh, Bob, looks like markets kind of eh, a little bit today. Stocks rising. Uh, they were rising earlier. Uh, right now, kind of mixed, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, stocks rising with travel companies, banks, and other stocks that would benefit the most from a reopening economy leading the way. And the S&P 500 is climbing toward its seventh gain in the last nine days. Discount Retailer Tuesday morning is filed for Chapter 11. Also, GE is selling its lighting unit to smart home company Savant Systems for an undisclosed amount. Um, Also, President Donald Trump upset with social media companies and uh, issuing uh, some threats a little bit. Uh, So that's what's going on. All right, that's all coming up on Mid. 
time for us to check in on our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Scott in here with you, along with Paul Perkins. It is about a quarter to noon on a Wednesday, and by golly, it's uh, pretty nice out there right now. Yeah, very nice temperatures. A lot of us with temperatures upper 60s to low 70s, as warm as some mid-70s, where they're seeing some stronger amounts of sunshine. Ogallala into southwest Nebraska, northeast Colorado, even up to 79 in Holyoke. But all in all, some very agreeable conditions and some light winds. You don't get that very often in this part of the country. I know. <laughs> I, I had to look at that twice when it said calm. I wasn't sure what to do. So we're kind of stuck in between a couple systems and that's what's doing this exactly right right now an area of low pressure kicking up still some clouds in much of central and east nebraska on into much of kansas a lot of those clouds more prevalent the southeast of a line from o'neill to broken bow and mccook and into northwest kansas the cloud cover very thick as you headed to iowa and missouri an area of low pressure kicking up some rain right now in eastern areas of missouri some of that may make its way into eastern areas of nebraska and kansas later today just some very light rain amounts but also a cold front will be approaching from the west and that could kick up some light rain into western nebraska later today overall in between these systems today our temperatures seasonal with some Often on sunshine, some clouds mixing with the sunshine at times. Those rain chances, once again, moving into western areas of Nebraska and northeast Colorado with the cold front today. That weak cold front could also kick up a little light rain from west central Nebraska to northwest Kansas for tomorrow morning. Otherwise, passage of that front going to be dry. Temperatures tomorrow a little bit cooler than what we're going to see for today and probably some winds a little stronger out of the north. After that, though, it begins to warm up Friday through early next week. We'll be warmer and mainly dry with the ridge of high pressure building onto the plains Friday night through Saturday night. There will be some off and on small thunderstorm chances as we see some weak disturbances slide southeast on the front side of that ridge as it starts to build onto the plains, but it will be far from any rain out like we had this last Memorial Day weekend. We just needed to, I guess, switch weekends. Uh, with the weather always that way i would (laughs) always that way for memorial day exactly this next weekend would be a more agreeable memorial day weekend but either way we got our rains and we're going to need it as we start to warm up and dry out Uh, once again those slight chances of showers and thunderstorms friday night through saturday night then our temperatures friday through the weekend seasonal before they soar into summer-like levels right on cue the first of june and into next week with highs in the 80s and 90s. In the long-term forecast, those chances very good for warmer-than-normal temperatures the first nine days of next month, especially in Nebraska and Kansas and the central U.S. Rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas likely to be mostly below normal Monday through the 9th of next month, especially the early to mid part of next month or of next week. Weather factors affecting the markets include favorable weather for crop growth in the Midwest and hot weather leading to stress potential in southern plains wheat areas. Following last week's downpours of rain, wetness and fieldwork delays continue to plague portions of the eastern Corn Belt. Topsoil moisture rated 40 to 56 percent surplus in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. Rain will gradually move to the east with drier air overspreading the Mississippi Valley by Friday and the Ohio Valley on Saturday. In the Midwest, the drier weather with very warm to hot temperatures six to ten days from now will favor crop development due to already ample soil moisture. Widespread rain in the southern plains the last several days, a benefit to the wheat in the heading stage in the west, while heavy downpours cause some flooding in the central and eastern areas. Showers will remain in eastern areas of the southern plains through tomorrow with more of a potential for flooding. 
Western areas that are still drier than normal will see little to no rain. The hotter and dry weather in the southern plains for next week expected to cause some stress. The northern plains will have some showers through tomorrow. A warmer and drier trend expected late this week into next week. Heat stress expected to be minimal. The warmer and drier conditions also favoring completion of planning across the northern plains. All right. Very good. Good to hear that. You know, it seems like we talked about those northern plains not being able to get rid of their crops forever. So. Exactly. Yeah, I think there may be still a little bit of yeah. uh, harvesting, but yeah, they're finally going to get the, put the finishing touches on some planting right now. Yeah. That's got to be a blessing for them for sure. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather Chap, KRVN.com. District. The National FFA Organization recently launched the Forever Blue Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Josh Rusk. He's the executive director of the National FFA Alumni and Supporters, and he's got all of the details. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about this Forever Blue Network that was just launched. Yeah, so we, um, as you said, two weeks ago, we launched the Forever Blue Network. It's a project we've been working on for over a year now and um, had kind of come up as we've been looking at. We had done some um, mentoring programs that we were doing via a Google document and one of my staff members' desks, and we were looking for a way to automate it. And then last year at National Convention, one of the student delegate committees came out and said, we want an online platform that can help individuals, specifically in production ag, connect with other businesses and industry leaders in production ag to ask questions or to find out additional information, you know, kind of just have a resource or a tool to be able to, to link and connect those individuals. So we're really excited to have launched it, uh, like I said, two weeks ago. Um, as of today, we're looking at a little over 1,350 people that have um, created their registered themselves on the network, and we're hoping to just continue to grow and grow and grow as we show people reasons to be a part of it. And, I mean, what better time to launch something like this to get connected with people at a time when we really need that connection? What are some, what are some benefits of joining? I mean, what, what can they expect when they join the Forever Blue Network? Yeah, and like you said, it was a perfect time. We actually had originally thought we were going to launch this more in August. The real emphasis of the network is just that, connecting our former members, our alumni, our supporters, um, with other individuals around the globe. And so a couple different key features of it is there's a jobs board on there. And so able to post jobs or look for jobs within the ag industry. Um, there's the uh, directory. So when you go back and think of your time in, in high school or in FFA, um, you, there may be individuals that you've just lost touch with. And so the network is built um, a little bit of a kind of an easy way to explain it is it's kind of a hybrid of Facebook and LinkedIn all connected into one. But the unique thing is that it's only available to FFA alum and supporters. It's amazing how far those connections go. And we talked, Josh, before we got recording, that you're also in the process of launching Grad 2020. Tell us what this is. Yeah, so FFA has really realized, uh, along with a lot of other individuals, that you know this year's graduating class um, really has had to experience something like no one else. And so FFA really wanted to have an idea or give an opportunity to really shine a light on the graduating class of 2020 and those FFA members. And so we're today 
opening up the Grad 2020 group, which is a group specifically aimed towards our graduating seniors. But anyone will be able to see the information that's in there. We're asking them to upload pictures. And what we really want them to do is to become a community of graduating seniors from across the country that are a member of FFA. And so they have that. We have some really cool special guests that are, have recorded some messages for us. Um, congratulating them that we will be uploading into the system periodically. Um, so I uh, can't give out a whole bunch of names or information because we want to keep some of that a little bit of a surprise. But our first ones are going to be our national officers. Each of them have taken the time to, um, to film a special message for our graduating class of 2020. Awesome. Great information. Thanks so much, Josh. Thank you. And if you're interested, you can join the Forever Blue Network by going to foreverbluenetwork.org. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. It's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, college football conferences and television networks have agreed to hold off on announcing start times for early season games. Fox Sports, CBS Sports, and ESPN and their affiliated networks typically announce early game times for the football conferences on June 1st. This year, the two sides decided to wait a few weeks as sports like the NHL and the NBA work out the framework of their returns. Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose was asked last night what the football season might look like. As our backs get closer to the wall... We, we're going to have to make some decisions along those lines, whether to reduce the number of games, uh, maybe move the, the entire season back, uh, what our lead-up time should be. And so many of us missed out in spring football practices. Uh, um, we had two out of 15. Now the college football season was scheduled to begin with a handful of games on August 29th and a full slate of games the following week. Here's some good news. The NSAA has made a slight change to an earlier directive concerning voluntary strength and conditioning sessions that were to begin at schools on Monday. Now a maximum of 25 persons will be allowed, but that must be predetermined. The previous directive called for no more than 10, and that guideline for a maximum of 10 is still in effect for NSAA member schools located in Hall, Hamilton, Merrick, and Dakota counties. Nicole Clements of Holdridge will have her face on Kevin Harvick's number four tonight in the NASCAR race in Charlotte. Clements was one of several people nationwide who won a contest through Twitter. Her face will be on the passenger side door panel next to the number four. Tonight's race can be seen at seven on FS1, along with having her face on the car. Nicole also won two tickets to a race next year and a gift card. Major League Baseball players are said to be extremely disappointed with the sliding scale compensation proposal put put forth by big league teams. Players had expected a 50-50 revenue sharing plan that owners initially approved from their negotiators back in mid-May. Instead, Major League teams proposed a scale that would allow a rookie at the Major League minimum to keep about 47% of his original salary while millionaire stars like Mike Trout and Garrett Cole could lose close to more than 77%. And the NHL's regular season is over, and the chase for the Stanley Cup is on if hockey can find a way to resume this summer. The league has decided to abandon the rest of the regular season and would go straight into the playoffs with 24 teams instead of 16. The top four teams in each conference would get buys. The other 16 would face off in the best-of-five series in the qualifying round. That's sports. For more, find it anytime. KRVN.com.
Bugs and allergies usually make a major appearance around this time of year. And Sandy Lewis, president of the Nebraska Emergency Medical Services Association, talks about the dangers and what we can do to prevent or at least better manage them. Make sure that if you do have allergies, take those allergy medicines that you can take over the counter or prescribe. The bugs are going to be out, especially if you're going to lakes or parks or whatever. Make sure that you use those bug sprays. And those of you that are allergic to bees or wasps, make sure that you have your EpiPens with you so they can be used if that would come about getting stung and just protect yourself. Lewis also says there are a number of natural repellents that can be found online if people don't prefer the chemical spray. Nebraska's prisons and juvenile detention centers continue to see staff infected with the new coronavirus as the state's death toll and positive COVID-19 cases climbed yesterday. The Nebraska Department of Correctional Services reported yesterday that a staff member at the Nebraska State Penitentiary has tested positive for the virus. That marked the seventh staff member at the penitentiary and the twelfth throughout the state's prison systems to test positive since the outbreak began. Officials in Omaha also confirmed a third officer with the Douglas County Department of Corrections has tested positive and has been hospitalized with COVID-19. And an employee of the Douglas County Youth Center has also tested positive. As restrictions continue to loosen during the COVID-19 pandemic, family vacations look like a possibility. Governor Pete Ricketts says to be cautious when choosing a potential destination, especially out of the state. Well, certainly one of the things that we would want as families think about travel is if they're going to leave the state to really be, um, you know, thoughtful about where you're going to go. You know, for example, if you're going to go to the Black Hills of South Dakota, you know what? They don't have a lot of uh, virus in South Dakota. You, you should be fine. And again, just use good judgment with regard to wearing masks and keeping six-foot distance between yourself and other people. Uh, if you're thinking about going to New York, well, you might want to rethink those plans a little bit. Ricketts went on to say that there is a lot of great things to do in the state of Nebraska when it comes to vacation activities. Grand Island Mayor Roger Steele on Friday issued an order reopening the city's softball and baseball fields to organize team activities effective June 1st. Organized team practices and games at the city's softball and baseball fields are required to follow the directed health measures and sports reopening guidelines issued by the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services and City Park Rules. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Day one of the CFAP sign-up was a busy and successful one. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're continuing our conversation with the FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. As he told me, there's some key information for our producers. Is this program is, is from a producer's perspective, is going to be self a self-certification program, and and so. Um, Having said that, producers are going to give us inventory numbers. They're going to give us sales numbers. And so producers need to kind of be gathering up some of that information for their own numbers. Um, we are not going to require them to present that documentation at sign up because it is a self-certification process. But, but would always remind um, our producers that there is, there, there will be spot checks. Um, that are drawn randomly, and and we will ask we will ask um, actually ask producers 
if they are drawn for a spot check to pre- to present documentation to support their application. So, for example, um, you know, for most of these commodities, it's a time period between January 15th and April 15th. Um, and in some categories where we're, we are paying a rate on on those commodities that were sold during that time. In other cases, we are paying on an inventory number, and it kind of depends on which category you're in. Um, but it sounds complicated kind of, I guess, over this interview, but when producers start to walk through the application, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and it's and it's pretty simple, and, and we did that for a reason. Certainly we know that we're going to have hundreds of thousands of producers probably accessing this program, and we also know that just, just from a workload standpoint and, able, and being able to get this uh, implemented as quickly as we could, you know, we had to streamline some of those processes uh, that, 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 that come about in, in the application process. So, um, so and, 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 and I would also add to that that um, as of Tuesday morning, the application will be available to download from the website, farmers.gov slash CFAP. And there will also be a producer calculator tool that producers can put their own, their own numbers in. Um, and and create and it will generate an estimated payment based on the numbers that they put in there. What um, that kind of just answers my next question is gather their information with them because this is going to be something a little different for them. They're used to grabbing all that paperwork, walking in the front door to their local FSA service center and just handing it to them saying, what do you need? Right. They're going to do it over phone, over a computer. Um, you know, we do have some other technologies that you know, that we can work with producers, um, you know, and, and, and even gather electronic signatures. That, that technology is, will be available. It may not be available on day one, but it's, but it's coming very quickly. Um, and, but, but, you know, if, if you are, um, you know, if you're a producer where you don't have internet connectivity or, you know, you don't feel comfortable participating in that way, uh, our, our county office folks can walk you through how to do the application. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think it's important to note that I have heard of dozens of stories of really kind of innovative approaches um, that our staff have worked with producers, not, not on this program, but others, um, and, and have figured out a way to get the job done. And so, um, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of conversation probably over the phone, um, with our staff and producers for them to have a better understanding of, of how to, of, of what, you know, what the column in the application means and how do I find that number. Um, and our, and our folks are, are equipped to do that. And considering the magnitude of this program, Administrator Fordyce talked about two days worth of training that staff from all across the nation did. But it comes down to that. The hard work of the staff in the county offices, and you know the message that I that I sent to them was you know thanks, and thanks is a pretty small word, um, and there, we ought to come up with a better word that is that is more powerful. But um, but you know I, I said thanks to them for what they've done, and maybe more importantly thanks to them for what they'll continue to do and, and are going to do in the future because we know that. Our county office um, staff are the folks that, that get this stuff done. You know, we can design it. We can, from a headquarters and leadership position, we can 
we can design the programs and get the software and do the training um, and do the outreach and talk about the program, but they're the ones that are getting the work done. And we just have just an amazing team. And I told all three groups um, the last couple of days that I am just as proud as I can be to be the administrator of the Farm Service Agency because I get to represent amazing people that do amazing work every day. They're a part of the community. They are um, they're respected in the community. They are the local experts when it comes to Farm Service Agency programs and um, just really serve just an incredibly vital role. And, I mean, I cannot say enough about, you know, the, the work they do, um, the capacity that they have, the expertise that they hold. Um, they are an amazing group of people. And that's my conversation with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. I'm Susan Littlefield, Pro Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks have been rising in trading on Wall Street with travel companies, banks, and other stocks that would benefit the most from a reopening economy leading the way. The S&P 500 is climbing toward its seventh gain in the last nine days. Gains were strong in Europe, where authorities proposed a 750 billion euro recovery fund to help carry the region through the recession caused by the pandemic. Asian stocks were mixed as tensions between the United States and China weighed on markets. Discount Goods Retailer Tuesday morning has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, the fifth major retailer to do so since the pandemic. As part of the bankruptcy reorganization, the Dallas-based chain says it plans to close approximately 230 of its 687 stores over the summer to focus on high-performing locations and will do this with a phased approach. GE is selling its lighting unit to smart home company Savant Systems for an undisclosed amount. GE Chairman and CEO H. Lawrence Culp Jr. says in a statement that the transaction is part of GE's ongoing process to be a more focused industrial company. Mitsubishi is recalling nearly 223,000 vehicles in Canada and 22 cold-weather U.S. states because suspension parts can rust, detach, and cause drivers to lose control. In the U.S., the recall covers the 2008 through 2013 Outlander, the 2011 to 2016 Outlander Sport, the 2008 to 2010 Lancer, and the 2010 Lancer Sportback. President Donald Trump is threatening social media companies with new regulation or even closure after Twitter added fact checks to two of his tweets. Claiming tech giants silence conservative voices, Trump tweeted that we will strongly regulate or close them down before we can ever allow this to happen. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. From getting the much-needed rain some of this wheat crop needed to worries about fungus and control in the fields. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up with Brett Grauerholtz with Polanski Seed as we talked about what they're seeing for this winter wheat crop. I hear it more and more, and this rain um, could have been a million-dollar rain. Um, it saved some operations. Is it wheat in the dry areas, or is it corn and soybeans that are in the ground? Uh, it, it definitely was a very thankful rain. Talk a little fungicide. What are some things that we need to be keeping in mind for this wheat crop right now? Right now, as, as we're going forward, we're heading. We had a good amount of rain 
um, in areas with these damp, cool nights. We're going to get warm, it sounds like, later this week with some humidity coming in. we got to be watching this um, wheat crop for fungus, for stripe rust, for leaf rust, um, for anything like that. If you're not too far ahead, way down south, it might, the crop might be starting to mature. So we're, we're missing. We, we're past that fungicide application point. But as we get into central, north central Kansas, southern Nebraska, western Nebraska, uh, we definitely need to be looking at, at our crops. Be out in the fields to see what we feel we see out there because right now is a very susceptible time in those areas to funguses and fungi. And, and we have potential with this rain to really fill out what crop is out there so we might as well protect it while we can what about disease pressure is the rain and lack of rain in some areas causing for concerns as well as we near harvest um as we get this rain with the humidity you got to have that pathogenic triangle host weather and then the pathogen the pathogens are always there the host of course our wheat plant is always there now we have the weather so our triangle is complete so we have opportunities to be looking for it that we could have pressure again some wheat is further along than others some wheat is further behind than others you every producer knows what crop stage they're in i just would strongly suggest that if you're in that crop stage stage be out looking at your field don't do the 60 mile an hour field check get out the pickup walk out there take a look if you see anything call your local crop scout or your chemical advisor to see what actions need to be taken next right now it is extremely important to be protecting that crop the best we can to get the most roi out of every single acre because we all know the dollars pay the bill in the end what is the economic threshold when it comes to controlling I, it, it depends on different situations um People that have higher cash rent that don't pay any cash rent, it really depends on your return of investment. And it all comes down to the bottom line is what do I need to have to make it worth it? Is it's, If I put in more money to this crop, am I going to lose more money? If I put in more money to this crop, am I going to protect it? I always want everybody to protect their crop as much as possible. But bottom line, it comes down to the budgeting and the books yes ideally everybody has a fungicide application that's the way that's the way we should all be budgeting and looking for it but i realize not every operation can allow that kind of budget all right anything else that you'd like to add brett i just wish everybody that is starting the harvest from the custom cutters i see down in clear down in texas combines are starting to roll into oklahoma please be safe great words to live by Brett Brauerholtz with Plants He Seed. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. I'm talking with John Payne of Senior uh, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. It's the Senior Marketing Analyst for Daniel's Ag Marketing. And, John, a little bit of a lackluster close. We do see Chicago wheat lower. But, really, the next big data we have is a couple weeks out. So, it's all coming down to weather. What are you seeing here in these long-range forecasts? There's some areas that have gotten pounded with rain. Yeah, the southern part of the country, southeast, it's it's been raining a lot there. You know, and, and these aren't big movers, but you're going to have guys in the Eastern, uh, Western Tennessee, uh, Southern Indiana, you know, extreme Southern Illinois, they're going to take prevent plants. Guys up north in Dakotas are going to take prevent plants. So, you know, 
I think the the too much rain right now is probably a good thing. The question will be when this tropical pattern moves on. You know, the timing of this is a little early. You'd like to see this happen more in like middle of June to bring all these storms into the more pollination time period in July. But you know, I, guessing the weather is a simple guess, but you tend to see a change. And I think given the moisture we're going to see, we're going to see pretty good moisture over the next week. Then it's going to get hot and dry. Um, and then beyond that, I think that's what moves the market. So. I'm saying the same thing to you guys for a couple of weeks. I'm going to say the same thing for now. I just don't think the market has a lot of upside in the very, very short term. I think, you know, through the end of July, I think we're probably stuck down here. And then, you know, July weather dictates how high we need to go. Gasoline miles are picking up. You're seeing activity around these these areas. Um, you know, I live in a blue state. And so, um, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of rhetoric is that everybody's staying home. And that's simply not the case. I'm just going outside as the weather warms up. Looking here, some fairly positive technicals, but we also see some traders hedging their bets at U.S. dollar index, 100-day moving average yesterday, back above that once again today. What can we glean from that? Not a whole lot from the index itself, but if you watch the REI, it's, it's fallen quite a bit. It was 6-1 to one two weeks ago, and now, you know, on some, some uh, reopening here, it's just put some, some back into the, uh, 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 you know, the U.S. side, or back into, like, the reopen side, and then, honestly, if if the country would reopen like tomorrow, if they just said, hey, everything's going to reopen, the dollar would tank because everybody's been sitting on checks for the last couple of weeks in areas like where I live. They haven't had anything to spend it on. And I think as soon as they reopen, you're going to see a little bit of a buying spree. Um, and I, I just think you're going to see commodities in general lift, uh, especially as the stock market continues to stay strong. So I think the debate now is what happens for the dollar with the new stimulus package. Or, you know, Fed's been sitting on that for a couple of days now. And, um you know, sounds like it's dead on arrival. So we'll have to see it. That'll be the next battle we talk about. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. More at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider risk before investing. And that'll wrap up today's midday program here on KRVN. If you miss any of the segments or want to rehear any of the interviews, you can listen to the midday podcast at krvn.com or on iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Davini Motor. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.